Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. From the WEEI Studios, 93.7, WEEI-FM and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. If, if Bill doesn't get a, a gig, can you see him retiring, or do you think the fire still burns with Bill? I think I think the fire burns with him because he's got – he loves the sport. He loves the preparation. He's been doing it for decades, and in my mind, there's nobody better than him at it. So whoever gets him at some point is going to have, in my opinion, the greatest coach ever – and um, and I know he's as competitive as can be, and he wants to be out there winning football games as a coach. Tom Brady was some real insight on Bill Belichick and his future in the NFL. That's how you call someone the greatest ever, right there. Yeah, Brady Brady Jr. did it. Brady Jr. did it. Brady Senior. Not so much. We'll get to his comments in the Boston Globe to Chris Gasper. Uh, all I know is, get ready for more of that. In eight months on Sundays in the NFL, Brady in the booth should be a real treat. Uh, Tom Sr., though, had some interesting things to say uh, about Belichick and his future in the league, his success over the last 20 years. And you can weigh in on all of it. 617-779-7937, our big question of the day up at Jones and Mego. Is Bill Belichick's status as the greatest coach of all time in jeopardy? And let's just work our way through some of these comments with that question in the back of your mind. Uh, He says, I don't think it's fair what I've seen saying that it's all Tom, Brady Sr. said. So far, so good. Bill is the best coach in football, bar none. That is what you were referencing, Arkan. You were referencing that Tom Sr. gets creative there and says he's the best coach in football, Mm -hmm. not what Tom Jr. said, the greatest coach of all time. Greatest coach ever, yeah. I'm sorry. Same thing. The last three or four years of his tenure in New England have been in the dumper. (laughs) It's too bad. So he goes from complimenting Bill to pivoting very, very quickly. And what I would say, telling the truth. Uh, Gasper writes, if you were expecting Tom Brady's father to gloat about the Belichick uh, or Belichick's unseating as Patriots coach, that's not how the Brady's roll. Hmm. Quote, Bill's tough, said Brady Sr. He runs a military system. It's a different generation. So that's just complimenting his kid. Bill is a great, great, great coach. But his interpersonal skills are horrible. (laughs) That's the bottom line. How many times has he said back in 15 or 16 that he wanted to win without Tommy? When he went without Tommy, he didn't know what he was losing. You're losing more than just a quarterback. Damn rights. Damn rights. Ego sometimes gets in the way of things. I think it did with Bill. Damn rights. Which, it's a weighty comment. Bill's ego got in the way. I think he's right, but that should carry some weight because I bet Tom Jr. feels the same way. Now he's in a situation where he's gotten crucified for the last few years by everybody and a lot of luster has come off the rose. Not quite a perfect analogy, but let's work with it, Mego. What do you think of these Tom Sr. comments? 
So they start out like pretty praiseworthy and then they go on to he can't help himself. He can't help himself but be like, you didn't want my boy and now look what happened to you. You're in the dumper, you know, damn right. So I I think he was trying to take the high road and say, Bill is still the greatest coach in football or the best coach in football, his exact words. But he, he, I don't forgive him for what he did and wanting to move on from Tom. Uh, You know who does? Kraft. Uh, Tom Sr. says about Robert, he said he made a mistake. And he told us that back in September when the Bradys were all, and this is in the Wickersham story, they were all there uh, in the owner's box for the opener against the Eagles. They did not interact with Bill Belichick that day. Uh, We don't all make the right decisions. He's made a hell of a lot of good ones over the years, Tom Sr. said about Kraft. But I know that it galls him that Tommy went elsewhere and won. Not that he won but that he won after Bill said he was done. Where have we heard that before, Arkan? That sounds familiar. Wickersham? Oh, right, the Wickersham story, right. Brady Sr. seemed genuinely surprised that Belichick hadn't landed another job, writes Gasper. Quote, Bill loves coaching. But again, I don't know that if teams look at Bill, he's 71 now, which again, we say that a lot. I actually call him 72. I round up because he'll be 72 for next football season. But like, we say that a lot on the radio and like in media. I'm surprised. Maybe I shouldn't be. How old is Brady Sr.? Brady Sr., good question. I don't know. I'm going to look it up right now. Uh, I don't know uh, that they're going to bend over backwards for him. 79. 79. Oh, wow. 79. Hey, he's just 70. He's a spring chicken. Uh, To provide the full array of control that he wants to have. That's the bottom line. He could probably turn up somewhere, turn up somewhere, and find 16 games to win in years two or three. But if he's out after that and the team has reformulated their front office to accommodate his wishes from their standpoint... I don't know if the magic is worth the accommodations that they have to make. Him he, going to Washington would be turning up somewhere. He makes That's, him sound like a cockroach, though. So, isn't that... Isn't that but oh, like, there he is. He'd so, turn up somewhere. So this is this is how Tom's... And look, he has a clear axe to grind and a clear agenda because his son was wronged by Bill Belichick and Tom Tommy shut him up by winning. So this is why I go to... Is Bill's legacy in jeopardy? And I, I do think these last four years and counting, like, is Bill out of football this year? That doesn't help the legacy. The whole league didn't want him. Or, in Tom Sr.'s words, does he turn up somewhere in Washington and it takes him three years to get the record and he fumbles around trying to win five games a year with the commanders? That doesn't help his legacy. Do the Patriots win 10 games without him this year? I, I'm not necessarily holding my breath before I see what they do this offseason, but I think that's possible. They could be a playoff team next year without Bill. That won't help his legacy. Is it in jeopardy at all, Mego? At all? Like, I guess there is a possibility that it would be. I just don't think it's likely. I think that he will be considered the greatest coach in football history for decades and decades, probably the next 50 to 100 years because of the Super Bowls. He's been to nine Super Bowls more than any other NFL coach in history. He's won six, obviously more. Everybody knows that. At the end of the day, you can argue all the semantics. You can say he never did it without Brady. You can say Andy Reid at least got to Super Bowls with with the Super Bowl with Donovan McNabb before he had Patrick Mahomes. And so he at least had some success before winning with Patrick Mahomes. You can say Joe Gibbs, one with three different quarterbacks, but it's like there's, there's, it's too many details for the average person, I think. At the end of the day, if we're talking about his legacy in terms of the average football fan asking 20 years from now, who's the greatest coach of all time, they're going to say Bill Belichick, unless somebody 
what at some point Shanahan rips off six Super Bowls, then people will look at him and say, oh, that's a real conversation. I just don't think that what he does now, even if it, he wins two games next year and the year after that, and then he's out of football. I think people will say, yeah, it was ugly at the end. It's ugly at the end for most of them. I don't know what year or what number Reed needs to get to, but like, let's say Reed wins three or four. I, I really do think it's a conversation between those two, especially if he hangs on for another few years and makes the wins record interesting. I don't know if Reed's going to coach long enough to get that record and pass Bill. And I don't really care about the record at the end of the day, but he's got to be a little higher on the list than he is. Is it in jeopardy at all, Arkin? It would be, yes. And Reed's the only one, I think, that has any chance of doing it. So it really just comes down to Andy Reed. There's other young coaches who, you know, 10 years from now we may be having this conversation about. But in the here and now, I think Andy Reed's the only one that's close. And I don't think any of the retired guys, no matter what Bill does in the next two or three years, are going to be considered greater than him uh, because of that. Now, I think Reed should get to six, but... To your point, if he coaches four more years, then that'll have been, what, like 10 years with Mahomes, like 11 years with Mahomes as opposed to 20 with Tom Brady. So if he gets four in 10 years with Mahomes, then you can make the argument that's the same as six and 20 years with Tom Brady. So like, then you can make that. You, I, it's an argument to be made there. Yeah, he was trending in that direction. If he got Mahomes earlier in his career right. and he was at least making Super Bowls and winning playoff games before he ever got his Brady. I hear what you're saying on that. It's why, it's why I think... In, James does not have five. I thought LeBron had five for some reason. He's got four. I think LeBron and Jordan is a real debate right now. They don't. You don't need to be dead even in championships. And so I think Reed's got to win one or two more. He doesn't need to get all the way to six, I don't think. Uh, what do you guys think? You can vote at Jones and Mego. Is his status as the greatest coach of all time in jeopardy whatsoever? You know me. I've been calling him the most. I haven't called him the greatest for a few years now. He's the most accomplished. I don't know if he's the greatest. Our buddy Shane is in Plymouth. Go ahead, Shane. Yeah, Jones, good afternoon. Good Christian. Afternoon. Hey, yep. uh, Christian, what do you think about going outside and bringing in somebody like Mike Vick, former OC for the Atlanta Legends? Haven't you brought this up before? What yeah, do I... I know. Nobody wants to talk about it. Why? I mean, I... They, nobody wants the job. Nobody wants the job. You don't think he could help design a good offense? Listen, if Vic's willing to take it, they need to take whoever no, they can get at this no, point. No, so, so Arkin, <laughs> maybe Shane's onto something there. If people are just going to keep saying no, you you think they're already on their fourth or fifth option in I'm the OC search, pretty right? pretty sure they are, yeah. I mean, I don't think, I don't so think that Nick Cayley was number number one. There. How many guys have to pass before we start listening to Shane and his Michael Vick? Uh, Michael, Michael Vick was the offensive coordinator of the what? What did he say? I, I, I don't know. Some I did. Atlanta. Arena League team or Probably. something? Probably. <laughs> Sure, fine. Why not? I don't know. I mean, he's not my first choice. He's not anybody's first choice, I don't think. But, I mean, eventually you got to hire someone, don't you? <laughs> the Atlanta the Atlanta Legends back in 2019. Okay. What's he been doing What is since? that? What are the Atlanta he's Legends? Been on, he's been on update? T- no, he's been on TV. The, oh. the Alliance of American Football, the AAF. Oh. He's not is, coaching, though. Which is now defunct. That's not Greg Hill's AAF. That's the uh, uh, Alliance of American Football. Patrick is in Connecticut. Go ahead, Patrick. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Hey, Patrick. Uh, so I basically just wanted to make a quick comparison. Uh, I think while Mac Jones has a little bit of value, it's time to, you know, get rid of him. You don't want him to turn into like the Red Sox situation with Chris Sale where you're hoping that he's going to turn into something. I know that it's, you know, different with injuries and stuff, but with Mac Jones, when he has value, get him now and go after Jaden Daniels in the draft and, you know, become more modern in your offense. You know, you need a mobile quarterback now these days to really – uh, be successful. You see Mahomes, you see Jackson, you see all those guys able to move outside the pocket. And I don't think a guy like Mac Jones obviously is going to be able to do that if you know you hold on to him. So 
get some value for him. Don't let him turn into a Chris Sale situation. Yeah. Let me know what you guys think. And look, I, I said this before. I'm firmly on team feet. But I, I need a mobile quarterback who can make make throws on the run. And I think, and I said this before, I think it became obvious this year. But I think it was obvious watching Zappy last year. Zappy's just better mobility-wise and throwing on the run. I, I don't know that he's like a great pure runner. But like I watch Brock Purdy. Purdy's better throwing on the run. And he makes some plays with his feet. I don't need a full-blown Lamar Jackson, Jaden Daniels, Josh Allen, you know, Steve Young. I don't need that. I would like that, but I need somebody who's at least a little bit mobile so they're not a dead duck behind the offensive line because then the offensive line becomes less important. When your quarterback can't move, I agree. The offensive line's a little more important. If you have any mobility, and most quarterbacks these days do, I don't think it's that important. 617-779-7937. My deadline is the draft. Like, Free agency, the draft, move on from Mac. And don't bring this thing into training camp because I think you're just inviting something you don't want, a la the Chris Sale situation. By this thing, you mean Mac Jones. Yeah, just a situation that you don't want. I mean, the, I mean, talking yourself into Mac Jones or, you know, a poisoned quarterback room like last year. I, I don't want that. I mean, that thing. Uh, we'll get to all your feedback here coming up. And Bill Belichick, the rumors keep coming up that he could coach this coming year in 2024. Where could it be? Let's get to that right after Trending with Arkin. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Breaking down the questions you need answers to. Why are there so many Batman? Batman. Why is there so much incest? You are listening to Jones and Mego on WEEI. You brought up the sense of entitlement a couple of times. Um, I don't think it's the team personally. I think it's just this general narrative of like, it's just supposed to go our way all the time. So do you think that's just... Outsiders thinking, you know, the Celtics should be wiping everybody off the court. Like, what? I didn't say that. So, tell, can but you yes. t- tell me what this. I just think it's. An, I just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just think this. It just happens. You know, it just happens. And uh, you know, it's just just like like you know, being down ten in the in, in the NBA is really not like foreign to like the ninety nine percentile of the NBA. Like that happens all the time. You know, and so like at halftime, I said that I was like, what, what are you doing? Like, it's a 10-point game. It's three possessions, you know, in an NBA game. And, or the idea of having to, like, go battle for a win, like, earn a win, is like, Celtics have to earn a win tonight? It's like, yeah, playing in the NBA. It's a good team, you know? And so, like, we can't lose sight of the fact of, like, we have to earn a win every night. It's going to be just as hard tomorrow. doesn't matter if the record's 5-20 and 20 or they're undefeated. Joe Missoula the other day. After the Celtics-Pelicans win, I will talk to Brian Scalabrini, NBC Sports Boston, when he joins us about 10 minutes from now for his weekly chat here on Jones and Mego with Arkan on WEEI. One text quickly before we get back into Bill and potential destinations for him this year. This year, not 2025. Mm. 3-7-93-7. Uh, Jones can't have it both ways calling Bill the most accomplished coach instead of the greatest because of Brady and then call Reed the best coach of all time and ignore the fact he had Mahomes. I don't get why this is a hard concept for Patriots fans. Reed made a Super Bowl without Mahomes. He didn't win it. And so if you want to tell me Andy Reed needs Mahomes to win a Super Bowl, fine. He might. 
He, he obviously has to this point. I think that's fair. But to pretend what Andy Reid did before getting Mahomes is the same as Bill without Brady is just ignorant, you know, obtuse. Like you're willfully being, disregarding. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're just being disingenuous. Like Andy Reid made four straight NFC title games. He won the fourth one, got to a Super Bowl. And like, look, that's not a championship. Bill's won one playoff game, and it was three decades ago without Brady. Bill has not won a division without Tom Brady. And so Andy Reid got to a Super Bowl. He was winning conference championships or getting to conference championship games, rather. He won playoff games with uh, Donovan McNabb, Alex Smith, Michael Vick. Uh, Shout out to Shane in Plymouth. So that's just, Bill hasn't done any of that. He hasn't done any of that. And so that's what I'm talking about. When I look at some of these other coaches, never mind Joe Gibbs, who won three with three different quarterbacks. Now, don't you appeal to me over here. Never mind Bill Parcells, who won with two different quarterbacks and, like, not not even good ones. Like, Parcells won with Sims and Hostetler, okay? Theismann, uh, Doug Williams, and Mark Rippon is who Joe Gibbs won with. Put some respect on those names. That's a different era. I get all that. But, like, there, there's something to be said for that compared to just winning with Tom Brady. Bruce Arians won with Tom Brady, you know? So I that that's why I don't think that's being unfair or inconsistent. Uh, that's what I'm talking about with Andy Reid. And I really don't care if Reid gets the wins record, but I think all that stuff would help. Just like I think that's why Bill cares about it so deeply, Arkin. If you get the record, it's one more box to check so that people in 20 years, like Mego said, just go, oh, well, he's won the most rings and he won the most games. Obviously, he's the greatest of all time. Yeah, and that's an easy, tidy way to do it, and that's the way most people do it. And listen, I mean, it's not necessarily even wrong. You can parse down anything and really make an argument for whatever you want if you really want to go there, but the most championships and the most wins is the greatest coach of all time by just about every measure. I mean, that's that's the way it is, whether you had a great quarterback or you didn't. And, I mean, Bill Parcells had arguably the best player of all time in uh, Lawrence Taylor on his team all those years, too. I mean, we... We do the same thing with okay, Belichick though. for being the defensive coordinator, don't yeah. we? Yeah. Mm. I mean, well, I he know. was such a great defensive coordinator. He had Lawrence Taylor. Like, you, know, you think like, Lawrence Taylor kind of greater than Tom Brady? Um, at the time. Yeah, uh, so before I just, Brady played, I mean, Taylor was considered one of the, if not the, him and Rice were considered the two best players. I'm just not going to do that with other positional players outside of quarterback. Like, I, I, I'm not going to do that. Um, but well, if in you the want, 80s, it was a different. No, I mean, it was a different. It was a yeah. different era. If you want to, you can. I'm not going to do that. And so it's just kind of a hot take. He just slipped in there. No, he's uh, Lawrence Taylor, greatest player of all time. Discuss six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. We're getting a call from Hingham. I Sorry, just, that's Nantucket. I just don't get how the further away we get from it, the more our phone lines are open. These last four years, you look at it and go, "Wow, what what has he been to the point where now the whole league doesn't want him, or do they? That Washington job remains open. Do we have any reporting today about?" Who's going to Washington? Only that they did indeed interview Aaron Glenn. Okay. So they were en route to interview Aaron Glenn, uh, the defensive coordinator? No, they were they were on their way to interview him, him and Ben and Johnson. Ben Johnson. Right. ben Johnson pulled his name out, and they're like, well, the Jets are already on its way. Right. And so they were on their way, as I was going to say, to interview both in Detroit, and Ben Johnson bagged out. Uh, reports are that he wanted $15 million a year. I, look, I have no idea if that's what's going on or not. Something tells me that's not what's up. And I wonder if Bill's trying to worm his way in behind the scenes and Ben Johnson and other candidates got a sniff. But no reporting yet on Washington. Okay, keep an eye on Washington. I will. If Andy Reid's not hanging around and continuing to coach, he wins and decides to hang him up. Keep an eye on Kansas City. We've been talking about that for weeks here on this show. 
Uh, meanwhile, the Eagles continue to come up. Greg Bedard brought that up. Uh, Florio has been linking them to the Eagles for weeks and weeks now. We talked about it when we thought Nick Sirianni might lose his job going back to the end of the regular season. And then you also have the Dallas Cowboys. And Jerry Jones is breathing life back into this one, not necessarily for this year, although I think 2024 is in place still for Bill, especially if he goes hat in hand to teams like Washington and says, you know what, I'm embarrassed. I got pants by the Falcons. I'll relinquish some power or I'll leave some money on the table. I think there's a chance he could warm his way in this year. But Jerry Jones also was asked generally about Belichick, not as fit in Dallas by Yahoo Sports. And he said, quote, I know him personally and I like him. There's no doubt in my mind we could work together. None. So this is Jerry Jones who just brought back Mike McCarthy and is trying to, I think, walk back his comments about Mike McCarthy late in the year where he basically said, we're going to see how it goes in the postseason before we bring Mike McCarthy back. Now they brought him back. And Jerry Jones is like, well, yeah, I want him the whole time. What are you talking about? And then he goes out and says, I like Bill. There's no doubt in my mind we could work together. What do we make of all of it, Mego? He's got quite the wandering eye. I think he still wants Bill. For I don't know how he got talked into running it back with Mike McCarthy. I bet he doesn't think that he would come off as the biggest boob in the entire country the way he did when they announced that they were keeping Mike McCarthy. And even the most diehard Dallas fans are like, Ugh! Like, how can you do this to us with this again? Even though he has 12 wins a season. So I think he still wants Bill. Jerry Jones. I think he's that's a message to Bill of I have no doubt that we could work together. We could do great things if you could bend a little bit on that personnel stuff. Yeah. Don't you want to come here and coach Micah Parsons? Don't you want to take over this defense? Don't you want to show everybody that you still have it? Remember how you talked about our franchise during the season? You would love it in Dallas. We got big boobs, big hair. We got everything for you, Bill. Ring cameras everywhere. So oh boy. Like, look, I, I don't know that Bill would go hat in hand to Jerry Jones in 2025. I wonder if he's doing that now. Uh, but what did you make of those comments, Arkand, about uh, working together, Jerry Jones and Bill? I was surprised to hear them. I was surprised to hear him speak openly about it like that, just based on, you know, actions and words and what spoke louder. I mean, going back to McCarthy, you you remember, I was I was all over the Bill to Dallas thing. I just thought it made so much sense. A lot of people did. It wasn't just me, but everybody was sort of all thinking the same thing. Like, this is a good opportunity for him. It's not a rebuild. It's a team that needs, you know, a better coach than the one that they have, a guy who chokes all the time. He wouldn't have to be in charge of all the personnel and the the caveat was you're going to have to put some stuff to the side here bill you're not going to be in charge of every single little thing you're just going to coach the team and really you know you're going to be working on that defense and making sure they're situationally set and that seemed like really all dallas needed was someone like bill instead of mccarthy to be in there to sort of whip everybody into shape and now we find out no 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 bill was insisting that he needs to have control of everything. And there was only one organization that had any interest in that, and it was the Falcons, and they quickly changed their mind, and that was that. So, I mean, yeah, it, it may be that the, the Jones wants to keep the lines of communication open there because I think this is it for McCarthy. I mean, unless they win the Super Bowl next year, McCarthy's definitely out of there. So he wants to have an uh, option open, and Bill's not a bad option. But I don't think that this is in any way some guarantee that he's going to let Bill come in and run it how he wants How to. about this, Arkan? Because you're the one who very much thinks that Bill should go out there and be a defensive coordinator and sure. get back to like his origin story. Well, I uh, think he would have gotten hired if that's producer Ryan Garvin just dropped this in. Jerry Jones is probably going to lose his defensive coordinator if Dan Quinn goes over and uh, joins as head coach. You think Bill Washington. will be the DC in Dallas? No, he's not going to. He's not going to do that this year. Uh, look, I uh, 
I find it interesting. I think what Jerry Jones was doing, I think was sitting here and going, well, I could work with him because I don't need full control person. Like, I think he was trying to frame it that way, mm-hmm. even though separately in the interview, he's like, yeah, this is how it works in Dallas. I think that's what he was trying to accomplish. But it still sounds weird when he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah there's no doubt in my mind we could work together. None. Can't feel good if you're Mike McCarthy about that. So Bill's name continues to come up in both the 2024 coaching cycle and 2025. You can jump in at 617-779-7937. Our big question of the day uh, is his status as the greatest of all time in any jeopardy. Uh, You can vote at Jones and Mego. We'll continue to discuss the Patriots, their quarterback situation, their offensive coordinator search. But joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline, as he does each and every Wednesday, is Brian Scalabrini of NBC Sports Boston. He's brought to you by Shaw's and Star Market, perfecting the art of fresh, and by John Sewer and Drain Cleaning, the name to know when your drains don't flow. How are we doing this week, Scal? I'm doing very well. How are you guys? We're doing well. We were talking about uh, Joe Mazzula and him saying that the expectations around this team uh, are high, that the team is entitled. Uh, he said that multiple times, uh, his own words, before he was asked directly about it. Um, how do you view those comments from Joe Mazzula? Do you think the team is entitled? I think, I think he meant to say... Well, I don't know what he meant to say, but I I think he was alluding to like I think they're they think that they could just show up and win, and everybody knows in the NBA you can't just show up and win. You got to like especially when teams are circling you on their calendars, like we're going to beat Boston in Boston. The crowd's always amazing, so everyone gets like jazzed up for that. And a lot of times, and I think in the past we get a lead, and I think it happened last night against Indiana. Get a lead, and we think we're entitled to this win, and you don't have to do all the little things that it takes to win. And you clearly see when this team is doing all the little things, they are superior to every team in the NBA, but those little things are hard to do. And, and, and everybody lets go of the rope, you know, all the time, like throughout the NBA season, you know, 82 games, all that stuff. But the idea is to, as soon as you let it go and the team goes 6-0, you're supposed to bounce back and like get it going, uh, in the right direction. You're supposed to do that with what Joe Mazzula calls the margins, right? Rebounding the ball. It was pretty embarrassing yesterday. As good as we were, how does Indiana have 31 second chance points heading into the fourth quarter? I mean, that is an insane number. And that's like, oh, we're just entitled to go get that defensive rebound. No, you go and earn it every day, every possession. So I didn't have a problem with the message. I thought the message was, was pretty clear. Like, okay, this is what we have to do. We have to fight, and we have to fight for every possession if we're going to win a championship. Scal, we're just a couple of weeks away from the trade deadline. Do you see the Celtics making any moves ahead of that deadline, or are they going to wait for the buyout market? Do you see any possibility that time? Um, I don't. I don't know if. Uh, I think it's really hard to upgrade Sam Hauser and Peyton Pritchard. I think there there probably is a player out there that they can go go and get, but it's not easy. And then that player has to fit in with the whole team and and everything like that. So I don't I don't know if there is a guy. But you know when you guys probably had conversations with me and and the whole Derek White thing happened, and I'm like I I, I saw Derek White play, but I didn't realize how good he was until probably that year, and then maybe even after after that the following year. So. So, you know, I think if they make a move, and it could be a move, but we're just like, oh, okay, like, I heard he's all right. And that guy could end up being, like, a, a big-time uh, factor in the, in the NBA playoffs. But I, I just think it's really hard to upgrade what we currently have right now. 
Scal, I'm curious about the uh, the way the locker room sort of reacting. Obviously, the team's very good, and they have a very good record. Um, they had a good record in the years with Marcus Smart, and he sort of played a role in the locker room and leadership uh, ways and sort of as a disruptor and an agitator. Do they have someone like that in this locker room? And if not, are they better off not having one? I don't know about all that. I don't know that, that last question. I don't know if it's, if they're better off or not. I do know this, and I think I've been pretty clear with this. I think your best players have to be your leaders, and I think that doesn't mean that other guys like Al Horford can't speak, and and you know uh, Drew Holiday, who's been there before. But I really like what I've been seeing from Tatum and Brown, and I think they've shown great leadership throughout this season. But I think they're in January, the rapid fire games, and then you know the All Star breaks coming up. And then go look at our March schedule with all the road games. Like being a leader is hard every single day. You got to do it. So I just, I just wonder, like, is it is it kind of wearing on them a little bit in January? That's kind of why I feel like our play has been a little inconsistent. But I think that I like the fact that those those two guys have stepped up, and I think they're way more vocal. And you can see them like talking to guys coming out of timeouts. And Jason Tatum the other day when we turned the ball over, he shook his head like, "What are we doing?" So I like that part of both those guys growing. But, man, it's hard to do it every single day. I've seen some of the best have a hard time doing it in the dog days of the NBA, you know, January, early February, and then kind of like that start of March. So I guess then, you know, when I ask if they're better off without someone like that, they are because now they have an opportunity to be leaders themselves without someone like Marcus Smart sort of taking on that role then. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. No, I I, I 100% agree with that. I think – I think it's good to have a Marcus Smart. I just don't think that it's good for him to be the like the entire voice of the of leadership, right? I, I just I just always believe. I mean, it's just, I mean, my, my it's only because of my perspective, right? Jason Kidd was the leader when I was in the Nets. It was the best way to do it. Like he when he spoke, everyone listened. Kevin Garnett and even like Paul Pierce, but Kevin Garnett was not as outspoken, but he was the guy, the driving force behind all that. I think that was. Uh, I think that was the way it had to be. And I and that's just my my experience of being on really good teams. So I think that the best players have to be the guys who are, you know, are putting it out there every single day. I want to ask you about uh the etiquette of other teams shooting at your basket in the middle of the game because <laughs> I heard Missoula after the game last night. He was ready to run around and swat shots. He wanted his assistant coaches doing it, players doing it. Uh what was the etiquette for you guys in like, you know, Oh seven, oh eight. Those Garnett teams. What was the etiquette about teams shooting on your basket? Give me, give me, give me an example. What, I didn't hear Joe Mazzula go so, off. But, so, Buddy, it. Buddy Heald was shooting continuously at the Celtics basket last night uh, in, during timeouts, television timeouts, and things like yeah. that. And I guess he yeah. he does not want that happening. He's instructed players, assistant coaches, whomever, to swat the shot. <laughs> Finally, Joe Mazzula is showing his personality. Because Joe's a little bit of a savage like that. He's all about that psychological warfare. So I'm all for it. If Joe thinks that there's an advantage for Buddy Hill doing that, then I'm all for it. I think Joe was actually pissed off yesterday about our defensive rebounding. But, you know, you can bring up whatever you want to bring up after a game. And if that's what made him mad, then and that can rally your troops, then by all means you should do it. So you brought up Derek White earlier, and, and what a surprise addition he was. Just, I think for most people, even who people who follow the league closely, who he's become. If you're looking at this team, what rank do you put him in in terms of most critical player going into the playoffs? Um, yeah, I mean, he's right around that, like, fourth, fifth, sixth. Like, it could be any of those three. I just think 
uh, you know, Tatum is probably one, Brown is two, and then Porzingis is right behind him, maybe even more because of what he provides for our team. Like we have a bunch of wings, but we just don't have a shot blocking big that has a, a that's a sniper from behind the three. So, so I mean, like he's all. I mean, but right after that, I mean, like all those guys are important. Like, like Holiday's defensive versatility is unmatched by anybody in the NBA. No one could do what he does. You know, Al Horford's, you know, the glue guy, and, and you know, it's, he's a winner. He's always been a winner. Everywhere he goes, he wins, right? So, um, you know, and Derek White is, you know, a guy who makes clutch shots. So each guy has their, their own importance. Um, I, I, I can tell you this, there will probably be more offensive moments where Derek White wins us playoff games than, than, than at the end at the end when it's all said and done. If we win, you know, 16 games to win an NBA championship, right, and we play 22 games, Derek White's going to be a, a heavy offensive hand down the stretch because he's, he's just so clutch. Most of the time, the best defenders aren't guarding him. So most of the time, he has a matchup that he could take advantage of. So I could see that. But the game is, to me, I mean, I, I don't know everything, but the game to me is so much more than just the guy who scores the shot at the end. Of, you know, I think it's spacing and rebounding and defending the rim and versatility and, you know, like, you know, instincts. Or there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. But there's no doubt that it's going to be easy to watch Derek White and think, where will we be offensively without him in the fourth quarter? Jones, why were you making a face when he when Scal was just talking about Drew Holiday's defensive versatility? Oh, I just I'm I'm so Marcus Smart doesn't have that versatility. That was all. I was just I was just curious. It's unmatched. Uh, that he, Smart couldn't match him. Um, I don't. No, I don't. I don't actually. No, I think Smart was right there. Smart is probably better at guarding quicker guys. And Smart is amazing guarding catch and shoot guys. Maybe the best in the league. Holiday's not good at that. Holiday's not good at, like, the slippery guys like SGA. Holiday's amazing at, at like, the, the massive guys like Clyde Leonard, which Smart has struggled against guys like that or against the MB types and stuff like that. So each one has their own ways of versatility. Marcus is, it, for for what that team needed, It was he was pretty versatile. There's not a guy besides, like, the Clyde Leonard's of the world or the LeBron James of the world that he couldn't guard. But Drew Holiday does a better job with those guys. So that's when you spend, when I think versatility, I think, guarding up more than anything. So he could do a good job of guarding up, guarding an MB, guarding uh, uh, Zion, which didn't seem like anybody can guard Zion the other night. But I think guarding up is, uh, is going to be a big thing in the NBA playoffs. Uh, I'm curious because I was looking at the, the upcoming schedule for the Celtics. They're in the midst of a uh, seven-game homestand. Uh, I think it's four, over 14 days, something like that. So they'll be home for the Super Bowl. What What's that like being – if you guys are all on the road for the Super Bowl, that must have come up at some point during your career. How, how does that go in the NBA? Like, are you guys watching separately? Or are you watching together? How does that go? On the road, Super Bowl, big uh, big banquet room, uh, lots of cards, lots of dice, lots of betting on uh, on the next play, first down, <laughs> bet he does, bet he doesn't. A lot of that, a lot of that on the road. They are on the road. Don't they have Miami? On the road? I thought they were. I thought they were home for no. Lakers, Memphis, Atlanta. Oh no, maybe I'm right. I'm sorry, I'm off. I think they no. are in Miami, February yeah. 11th. You're right. In Miami, I think they'll be on the plane. So, I was wondering how that was going too. I'm not going to be on that trip. It's a national game, so I don't know. Do they pipe it through uh, on the flight, or are guys just like whatever? I have no idea how that goes because I'm assuming if the game starts at two ends at and they're on the plane at six isn't that kickoff like right, right around yeah right about there yeah yeah so i I've, I've actually to be honest with you i've never been in the air for the super bowl so i don't know if they're going to go back to the hotel watch it mm. and fly uh, to new york 
I have no idea their schedule. But you and Drew going to watch I've it never, together? I'm, I'm not on that game. Aww. I'm not on that game. Bummer. Extra, it's a national game. Maybe an extra night in Miami. You think, you think, it, it sounds like it could be an extra night in Miami. It sounds like you think that mine and Drew's relationship is cute. That sound like that, Mago. <laughs> no, I just want to know, like, did you have plans on South Beach? You know, you guys were going to go out. You said he likes no. to go out to dinner so, with you. Yeah, I like to think yeah, about so, these things. No, okay, so the difference is... I like to think that you're so, corrupting his lifestyle. <laughs> oh, it's the other way around. It's the other oh. way around. My, my wife hates Drew. That's it. <laughs> All right, well, so, Let me tell you. The, the difference is when we go to dinner, I always schedule an early dinner, and then I go to bed, and that's like Drew's warm-up. He's just getting started, so that's Wild a big man. difference between him and I. You can't handle the truth. Okay, well, get <laughs> no, ready. You cannot. Too watch bad. out, watch out, yeah. South Beach. Uh, I, I know you're missing this South Beach trip, but maybe the next one. Uh, all right, he is Brian Scalabrini. Uh, he joins us every Wednesday here on Jones and Mego. Scal, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Sounds good. All right, Brian Scalabrini, as all our guests, joins us on the Harbor One Hotline. He's right. I was looking at this Sunday, not next Sunday. So they're in Miami. Extra night on South Beach. Coach, it's the Super Bowl. Well, can we stay one more night in Miami? Come on. Like, I imagine that's how that would go down. I don't know how many guys are going to be watching the Super Bowl the next night on South Beach. But Joe's going to be like, oh, the American Super Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> I guess we could watch Oh, that. yes. You mean the American <laughs> football Super Bowl. Sure. Uh, yeah. 617-779-7937. I was actually up uh, early that morning watching Premier League. Uh, we'll get to triple play next. It's going to be a triple play. It's time for the triple play. Yes! Top three burning questions of the day. And there's three. Jones and Mago. Triples is best. Triples is best. You know I love my cars and there's no place like home, but the 99 restaurant comes close with the return of their homestyle chicken pot pie. Tender all white meat chicken covered with that flaky buttery crust served piping hot. You gotta love the nines. Arcan. Sounds like he's breathing a little heavy, doesn't it? Arcan. No, it does not. <laughs> yes, you did it again. <sighs> Yeah, well, you know why? Because we jump right into it. That's why. <laughs> we don't have like a, hey, Jones and Mego, blah, 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 blah. It's just bam, right into triple play. So I got to rush in here. So it's my fault. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's I, no, I agree. It's Ryan's fault. break that you're You've worked late. in radio for 25 years. You can't <laughs> figure out how long five minutes I'm sorry. Is. Did I miss the cue? Did I miss it? <laughs> you almost missed I, it. I, don't, I don't remember I missing it. I didn't say you missed it. You're just huffing and puffing. I'm not huffing already. or puffing. I'm not doing any of those things. You're all was wrong. Was the ball huffed or puffed? It was neither of those things. I did, did that very professionally, I think. Anyway, it's Wednesday. That makes it Wild Card Wednesday. Number one. So let's cut the brakes. Here's number one. Who are the best cut offensive the and defensive coordinators of the Bill Belichick era, Mego? I don't know. I just said Josh McDaniels and Romeo Cornell. I know, I know. I Jones would hate that. I do feel like Josh McDaniels, because he stunk it up everywhere else, will never get the credit that I think he is due for the two different eras that he had here. Like, if he had never done anything anywhere else, if he only did that job, wouldn't you look at it and say he was the greatest at that on its face? You could say, yeah, he had Brady. Well, that's what I'm going to say, yeah. Like, but he was still the best out of all the ones who had Brady. I guess. He had Brady. And did it the longest see, in two different eras of, of Brady. Brady. I, right. But I would go Weiss because at least when you're talking about developing, he still had Brady. He still had the greatest of all time. And by year two as a starter, people forget this. By people year two, forget. he led the league in touchdown passes. People are like, it took Brady six years to be Brady. Not really. It took him like two. But like Charlie Weiss really had to manage a younger Brady and bring him along. McDaniels didn't have to do that. By the time McDaniels was calling plays, Brady had won three Super Bowls. So I think Charlie Weiss is the best offensive coordinator they had. And I think the best defensive coordinator was Flores. That's the defensive coordinator I liked the most. 
when he was here. Stylistically, I feel like they brought more pressure. I feel like they they felt like a different defense than the early 3-4 defenses. And I felt like Flores put his own stamp on it. So to me, and it was brief. He never actually even had the title. Right. But to me... But why, we knew the job. Well, that's, I mean, that's what I think. Yeah, he was calling plays on defense. And so... I would go Weiss and Flores. Those would be my answers. All right, let's get to our second wild card question. Number two. Jones Ar- will start. Arkan doesn't want to give his? Uh, no, not particularly. Uh, Patricia and Judge? Yeah, Patricia and Judge. Uh, number two, if John Henry sold the Red Sox, Jones, who would you like to see purchase them? Okay, this guy's available. He just made a crap ton of money from his sale of the Dallas Mavericks. Give me Mark Cuban. Give me Mark Cuban. Oh, you don't want someone local? Uh, I mean, look, I guess a, a local person would be a good idea. Perhaps I'm missing someone. Give me Mark Cuban. I know he's going to spend. I, uh, local would be ideal. Fair, Mego. But give me Mark Cuban. I know he's going to spend. I know he's going to spend not just on the roster and the talent, but on the building and on traveling first class, which is the kind of thing players care about, which might attract more players here. I'd like Mark Cuban to own the Red Sox, but he's probably too smart to get into the baseball business, a dying industry, so he would never do it. Give me Mark Cuban. The depth of my research for this segment was looking at Boston.com's wealthiest people in Massachusetts. Okay, great. (laughs) 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 He wasn't on the list. Three of them were all from the Johnson family, which is the Fidelity Fidelity, family. And so I was like, why not just them? Like, I want the ones with the most money to spend locally because then they'll actually be excited about owning the team and spending on the team. Or you could go with Jim Davis, the New Balance guy. And then, hey, maybe you get you get to trade for Shohei. I mean, that would be part of the agreement. You have to get Shohei Otani in that uh, in that situation. Okay, I'd be into the New Balance idea. I don't want a bunch of uh, finance. Yeah, people I like I like that better than than bankers. I agree. Yeah. I, I like the New Balance idea more. All right, let's get to our third wild card question. Number three, Mego. We'll start with you. If you could orchestrate a sports or celebrity related government psyop, like the Taylor Swift Super Bowl conspiracy, are you, are you familiar with this term I, psyop? I saw. That's like, what they're calling it on the news. Arkan Arkan wrote this what today. News? I, I had to. I had to look that Fox up. News. Oh God. Okay. I. I. Anytime that I see anything about this, I just go past it. It's just. It's like needs to be muted for me. But I did look at the link that you sent us because I didn't know about this conspiracy There's theory. There's a Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, uh, Joe Biden conspiracy. It's very right odd. Yeah. If we're going to go full-on conspiracy theories, I like the replacement, like, there's a fake Kanye. You mm-hmm. know, like you slid someone fake in. So I like to think, okay, here's my theory, that after Tony Romo had his first season in the booth when mm-hmm. he was calling out the plays before yeah. they were orchestrated. Uh-huh. He actually wouldn't comply with the NFL saying, hey, stop doing that. Stop doing that. That's not cool. Because he was like, everybody loves me. I'm going to have a job forever. So what they did was they had to hide Tony Romo away, and they put in a Tony bot. I love this. And the Tony bot, they're like, <laughs> make the Tony bot sound human. And they, so now they all poured the, alcohol into it. Yeah, now all the Tony bot does is go, I don't know, Jim. <laughs> Uh, That's I, a tremendous conspiracy. I think the government conspiracy is that, uh, well, they told Bill Belichick to lose all these games. He's the greatest coach of all time, and so he would never lose and tank and, and do so horribly. So they told him to lose all these games in the meantime to ultimately get him out of New England for his great resurrection somewhere else, maybe with Mego's commanders, maybe with the Dallas Cowboys, somewhere else. Uh, but Bill Belichick couldn't possibly lose all these. He couldn't possibly be overrated and just be propped up by Tom Brady all these years. He'd have to lose these games on purpose. Chestnut checkers. She's a big Kansas City Chief fan. She's never heard a letting go. I will say about the whole conspiracy theory, it has turned into like a weird, like the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing has turned into like a weird political thing on yes. both on like both sides. How? Now. 
on both sides. If anything, this should just be the silliest thing that we can, like, all pay attention to without politics or anything like no, that. No, it should be. It. But it, but it's, but it's turned. It, she's so famous that that that's why. And so it's that was turned, the case in 2020 too, though. What do you mean? Like people were looking to her for political really? direction. Yeah, I don't remember 2020. Uh, yeah, Daddy, no. No, that's no, that's fair. If you watch her, uh, her lover uh, documentary or whatever that was, she usually puts out a documentary. Well, I thought with you each, meant uh, just watching her lover. No, uh, well, that's Kelsey. that's Travis Kelsey. It's real. Uh, I'd watch a lover documentary. She with did those get involved. Documents. She did get involved with some voting in like Tennessee and things like this. That's true. Uh, Gross, Arkan. I would watch. Who wouldn't? <laughs> so when it comes to, uh, it, but it's gotten oddly political uh, because it turned into like this. Oh, you can't. Never mind the conspiracy theory. Oh, I was taking up all my time watching football, and now everybody's uh, on the like. Even Cowherd, my guy Cowherd, has gone like way over. And and people now are like championing that video, like yeah, all He's these. He's a feminist icon now. Yeah, right, busts. Right, exactly. So like, it's just turned into something where it's just it's gotten out of control. It was it was fun to talk about for a while before the conspiracy theories got involved. It's become this less... Travis Kelsey thing with freaking I can't take it. It's become less fun to talk about. No, uh, it always goes that way. But I think uh, I think she'll be. Pro- Do you think she'll not be prominently featured? She will be. She should be. She definitely will be. Look, if you're so mad about it, were you mad? Are you mad at the Lakers when they used to show? Well, you're Jack one Nicholson? of the people who don't like it. No, I don't. It's not that I don't like the shots to Taylor Swift. Like mm. I don't care about that. It's more just Taylor Swift being part of every part of pop culture. Yeah, no, and this is the the point Cowherd made is he's like, well, they constantly show uh, Nicholson and everybody else, mm-hmm. uh, and so yeah, did you have a problem with that? I, but I don't think it's like a male female feminist thing that Cowherd was going with. I don't think that's what it is. I think people are just like, I like my football. <laughs> So get her out of my face. I want him to cut to Jerry Jones up in the booth. Wait, exactly. So hanging that, out with there's gonna be right. that big cons- text. more cutaways of of Robert Kraft sitting in his throne, yeah. fist bumping with there's Marky Mark. Like, who the hell that wants conspiracy that? theory plus the Tony Bot in the booth calling the game. It's gonna be crazy. <sighs> it's gonna be. Ben, it's gonna- if you think another fake pandemic isn't coming, <laughs> just wait. <laughs> it's gonna be a wild Super Bowl this Sunday. Oh wait, I mean in two Sundays, yeah. which for some reason I keep screwing Tony up. Tony Bot's gonna be just spewing out like unpopular political opinions. Oh Jim! Oh Jim! Oh Jim! Oh Jim! Error! Error! Oh Jim! Malfunction! Oh Jim! Six one seven. That Genghis Khan had some good ideas. Seven seven nine seven ninety three seven. Let's get back into the Patriots and their terrible coordinator search next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.